Welcome to the Voice of MPE, the official podcast of Merchant Payments Ecosystem, Europe's largest merchant payments conference. Today, we are at the 16th annual MPE conference, MPE 2023. This podcast brings you interviews with payment industry leaders and professionals from the entire payment world. For more information, head over to www.merchantpaymentsecosystem.com. Today, we are talking about open banking as an enabler. Ron Van Wessel from AITE Group, moderator of this session, spoke with Daniel Van Delft from Currents, Katarina Lushnik from AIIA, Brian Hanrahan from Nuapay, and Michalis Michalaides from BPC Banking Technologies. How are merchants and banks benefiting from the new era of financial motivation? Listen to this episode and learn about open banking partnerships and alliances from suppliers to business collaborators, and from vendors to customers. First, give the opportunity to introduce the two speakers that hadn't the opportunity yet to, to talk a bit about what I do. So maybe, uh, Daniel, can you a quick intro on your Delighted. position? Delighted you to. Uh, I've I'm the chief executive of Currents. You probably will not know Currents, but you will definitely know the <laughs> ideal scheme because it was mentioned already a few times and as such a little bit the uh, open banking scheme avant la lettre as we say in the Netherlands although it's still a branded scheme but there are a lot of use cases uh, which are already out there in the Dutch market and which can find its way through open banking in the near future we believe in in other countries as well so that's in a nutshell where I'm at and why I'm here today. Thank you Daniel. Katrina? Yeah, um, my name is Katrina Lushnik. Um, I'm heading up the payment solution sales in AYA. You might not know AYA, but you know MasterCard for sure. <laughs> so AYA has been recently acquired by MasterCard. We are the open banking, uh, European open banking platform of MasterCard. Um, and quite interesting, uh, MasterCard is active in open banking since quite a while. And we're uh, really um, up being a multi-rail platform and trying to deeply embed open banking payments, but in general, open banking data into our offering. And that's why we are here. Thank you. So we've, we've seen a lot of already about opportunities for open banking from the two presentations. So a lot of positive news. Uh, I recently checked the UK numbers. So there were about 8 million payments done in February this year, which is like more than 100% more than the year before. So you're looking at probably like 150, 200 million payments over 2023 which is good, but it's a very, very small fraction of the, the payment volume in the UK, which is about 40 billion payments for consumers only. So the question is, will open payments, open banking payments, open payments uh, continue to grow and, and why? So what is the customer adoption challenges here? There was another presentation here recently where somebody said, you know, it's not going to work in, in markets where credit cards are strong. And why not? Because credit cards come with a lot of uh, benefits, especially for, say, the higher segment, right? So full security, full uh, insurance for your for your payments, you have the loyalty points. So will open banking maybe uh, play only on the debit card space or maybe are there additional spaces where uh, cards not that, that many use? So how can you see a consumer adoption uh, getting 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 traction that will continue to have traction over the next couple of years? Daniel, maybe start with you on that one. Yes, I think quite easy for us to answer as uh, we are indeed a, a, by nature an account-to-account system and have had the chance actually to grow over the last 17 years 
uh, due to the fact that indeed the credit card side was not so well developed in the Netherlands, to be very honest. Um, overall, I think the, let's say, the ecosystem will, um, um, will evolve in, in such a way that for um, for open banking like or account to account systems at large, uh, there there will be a market because it's always and that's what we see as well and specifically here with MPE being the merchant side, a, a two sided market. Yes, yeah. the consumers are uh, maybe linked into specific kind of payments because they receive loyalty or they receive additional points. But in the end, it has to pay it out somewhere. And I think with the overall, and that's why actually in the Netherlands, uh, Ideal became so um, successful because it really received a push of the merchant community. And I think that letter, and that's where actually your presentation came into as well, it's, it's not only a matter of cost, it's also a matter of customer experience. And actually, if we have that flow right, if we can convince the consumer with additional value adds on top of the open banking layer, I'm sure that it will start to work out. The only thing is we have to find a real resolution to the still the friction which still is there on the open banking side. It's not so frictionless as uh, other payment means are at the moment. Yeah. Maybe can you comment on that, Katrina? So, you know, Comparing open banking payments with with the car payments, are they easier to? Are they more frictionless uh, compared to to the current car flow? Um, or what what are the the challenges there? You think? Yeah, I think there is one uniqueness uh, for open banking as a technology concept, and we heard a lot about benefits. Brian talked about it, uh, Daniel, Michaela. So I think we are all uh, on the same page if it comes to benefits. But what I think what we sometimes underestimate how easy it is from a technology perspective to integrate open banking payments, and this is unique. Yeah, um, and might also the um, more more or less um, also the the main success uh, why the acceptance uh, will easily adopt open banking payments because it's at the end it's connecting one API to the other and call whenever you want a payment API and that's unique because it brings flexibility and this whole whole thing about embedded finance embeddedment is simply out of the fact that technically or from a technological perspective it's so easy to integrate open banking payments and this comes with a lot of flexibility and I think that's also why we are so keen uh, to see more and more use cases supported by open banking and that's quite quite unique um, and maybe also compared to card brings additional consumer experience because it's by nature omnichannel, it's by nature flexible uh, and backed up with a technology which is really quite straightforward. Yeah, what's your take on that, Brian? You mentioned a couple of points already. Yeah, I pretty make two points. So, you know, first, I think, so we're typically seeing it replace or displace, you know, debit cards or manual bank transfers rather than credit uh, transfers. And it's mostly down to the consumer convenience advantage, you know, particularly with 3D Secure, it's become quite difficult with cards in some countries. Yep. Um, so that's the first point. I think in terms of the adoption curve, um, we're moving now uh, from the point where a lot of kind of merchants came directly to open banking providers for some of the early adopter cases. And um, so like the UK HMRC, tax authorities, etc. Um, 
what's now happening or has largely kind of happened even is that you know many of the acquirers and PSPs have partnered with you know somebody like Doopay and, and and they've embedded it in their gateway and made it 10 times easier for those merchants to now just turn it on and that's just you know kind of starting to build momentum now that's really the essential part of you know uh, I suppose adoption right because if it's not on the menu at the merchant then the consumer can't choose it and you know I think that's also kind of right. what we're doing at the moment for the last few years is building yeah. up that distribution um, and availability yeah yeah, great points. Michal, as you know, uh, in terms of the consumer adoption, so from a merchant perspective, open banking is, is, is well, the number of advantages that merchants have. But how do you basically convince an, a customer to, to leave the card um, in, in the pocket and, and use the different payment method? What the merchant is doing, in your experience, to, to drive customers to use open banking if it's so profitable for them. But the merchant may, or the, the consumer may just continue to use what they always used, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's free anyway. I think it's a, it's a combination of the factors that uh, have been mentioned. That the, the tech is, uh, Katrina mentioned it and she was quite right. The tech is there. It's right. not, the tech is not the problem. Uh, it's the, the presentation layer is, is one of the, is one of the issues. So how do you actually put it uh, in front of the, of the consumers so that they can make the right choice? Uh, and how you actually, uh, handle the user experience? Uh, now, from our perspective, okay, I mean, we we are a tech company, so what what we we can facilitate the the payment flow, and we are pretty confident about that. But ultimately, you need to have a collaborative uh, setup. I mean, the, the 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 success of open banking is based on a partnership in my view because there's a number of people that need to come together to have all of these ingredients and we we kind of we we take cards for granted because they've been around for so long but we have to give it to the 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 fact that you know that experience that seamless experience that we all take for granted and understand it took years for it to be smoothened out and it took years for that for the process to 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 migrate you know from the physical card to the digital card to the wallet and all of those so that they can actually flow in a way that's almost transparent to you and you don't even think about so it's not easy to replicate uh, uh, to replicate that user experience but i think on a on a user on a use case basis, once we start to iron that out, open banking will explode because it has a lot of advantages. Right. Uh, by the way, dear audience, if you want to have questions, you know, you can use the Slido. It should be showing up on screen. So if you want to interfere in our debate, please do so. Um, regarding the merchant benefits, yes, okay, um, Compared to Plasticard, it's probably easy to see where where open banking experience can be better. But of course, you, we're moving towards digital wallets like that are more easy to and more convenient for consumers to use. So, what are specific advantages, maybe even challenges for merchants um, to to have in terms of op- adopting open banking? Can it type of view on that one, uh, Katarina? Yeah, I think a lot we heard already. <laughs> so yeah. a lot about it, uh, about risk mitigation, no chargeback, on almost no fraud, uh, flexible yeah. integration, 
um, conversion. Um, I think it's also to a certain extent opening up new revenue sources. Uh, we have uh, uh, we haven't been talking a lot about invoices, but invoices, for instance, is an additional payment. Let's call it even a payment journey, uh, which is uh, currently still not totally automized. Uh, so in the Nordics, for instance, you see a lot of traction in embedding payment links. We heard about payment links, um, but putting that in an invoice and mm. offer an end-to-end -end reconciliation feature that's extremely powerful. And yeah. that's also something which is extremely interesting for merchants and um, partnering yeah. up. I see Eve sitting here in the audience, partnering up with Avarda, for instance, they're um, providing merchants with a white-labeled invoice solution and this uh, being embedded yeah. with open banking payments. That's also for merchants offering new consumer experience, new ways to pay, and here open banking fits nicely into. Yeah, yeah there's something going uh, called uh, soft pause, right? So it's ability to actually, uh, for, a, uh, for a small merchant, for instance, a restaurant, to use your mobile phone as a payment acceptance yeah. device. That's going to be, um, well, probably exploding in the coming years. The problem is if somebody doesn't have a contactless card or something goes wrong in that communication, you need to have a backup. So that's also where I've mentioned that pay by link could be mm -hmm. could be like a backup solution Can for I this type of solutions. Daniel, go ahead. Because I do not believe so much in soft pulse. Although I worked at my, in my visa days, <laughs> I, I believe that uh, we will see a, a faster move towards uh, digital wallets going forward. And that will also open up for additional open banking payment methods easier and faster because you do not need so you let's say the receiver the, the merchant side whether it's ecom whether it's in a uh, in a merchant physical location mm -hmm. will in the end be exactly the same so the technology as you all stated will allow us to do that mm -hmm. in a as secure way as point of sale currently is all right this may be also good of you brian so in terms of physical payments and open banking is that a happy marriage or yeah um so it it has some use cases where it's viable and when i say i'm talking about open banking it, it does depend on the country you know um so you know for example i think we we touched on cases where there is a qr code model and that's okay yeah. You know, um, when you try to get into the, let's say, the kind of high street retail, so supermarkets, coffee shops, that kind of stuff, that that requires, I would say, what's called variable recurring payments. Um, so in the UK, that's kind of an additional standard. It's not there yet. You know, so it's being discussed. There's standards being debated. There's a lot of ingredients involved in making that work, um, which I think would would take a bit of time. But at that point, once you know, let's say if and, and when that's agreed, then why wouldn't digital wallets be powered by that same you know infrastructure, right? Because like while a, an Apple Pay or whatever is yeah. is a very convenient consumer experience at, yeah. the, at the kind of uh, let's say nearly the identity verification layer, it's then sitting on card rails, which are still expensive and slow. You know, yeah. slow to settle so why not put that on you know account to account rails and you know so i think it's it's going to be interesting to see how these things interplay and um, yeah. but you still need more ingredients right we don't have everything we need in the current open banking infrastructure to to get there yet thanks 
um, give it time. Maybe give the audience opportunity to, to have some answers, questions here. So, question about yeah. open banking for business to business payments. So, opportunities and barriers there. Is there, Michal, do you have a view on B2B payments? Is that something that is going to be important for open banking? Is it a good opportunity? I think, yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely, and it goes back to that basic same principle. It's uh, use cases. And uh, I think there's definitely a, a lot of opportunity in the B2B space. I mean, invoicing was mentioned as an example. I mean, that's that's a very, that's that's a classic B2B uh, solution that can be yep. easily be accommodated by uh, by open banking. A request to pay is is another kind of magic word that's uh, that's been hovering around. Yeah. I mean, we will see request to pay solutions coming into the market uh, quickly, and that's also very much a B two B solution. So, yeah. absolutely. Um, again, the 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 technology is waiting for the right use cases. Uh, to, to take them to market. It's not the other way around. Yeah. I tend to agree. Open banking is maybe be- even better for, for business business payments, just like you mentioned, right? The, the yeah. Invoicing, the automated reconciliation, which basically is the whole Absolutely. for B2B. Yeah, I agree. Daniel, any B2B insights from your side? Yeah, sure. Uh, and also from, from practice, actually, because we see over, already a lot of use cases being used, which are actually yeah. kind of more consumer-oriented, which are handled through ideal in an account-to-account way. Um, uh, in, I would say there are also a, a few limitations to it, and actually uh, broadening it to the real B2B space, because it's simply different. We need more security to be built in. Yep. And we're not there yet. It's in the Netherlands, at least, based more on trust than it is on pure uh, ledger technology, so to speak. But I think definitely there is also a lot of room there to, uh, let's say, um, have a sustainable, uh, from a payment scheme perspective, sustainable um, business model if you can incorporate B2B payments in an effective way. So, because consumer, the consumer side is more difficult than the B2B side in terms of revenue. In terms of infrastructure, and maybe you look at you, Katrin, from IA perspective. So, you know, consumer accounts are regulated, right? But business accounts are not. So, is business accounts already uh, easy to reach from a, for, for you? Yeah, I are mean, the banks supporting that? <coughs> yeah. That's the great opportunity PST2 brings <laughs> because yeah. payment accounts, I mean, we are regulating payment accounts, right? right. And yeah. payment accounts do not need to be consumer accounts. So, we are also uh, right. under regulation, our business accounts as long as they are payment accounts regulated by PSD2. Um, And I think that's extremely uh, interesting because the whole, for me, the B is a bit of a replacement of SME. So it's the smaller, medium-sized businesses, which are currently still, you know, really keen to more digitize. They need to be more effective. They need to be cost um, efficient. And here, uh, open banking as a technology concept can help a lot. Um, And we have brought B2B cases live. But as Daniel mentioned, there are I think there's still some hurdles which need to be overcome. Um, and I think we should really jointly work together to bring even more use cases to the B segment. Yeah. Yeah, we exchanged some uh, some figures recently about uh, Ideal having 70% market share. There's, there's um, the Blick in Poland at 70%. So what's your take? Just the last question very quickly. Will open banking ever cross the 50% uh, payment volume uh, threshold in Europe? And start with Brian, and that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, that's the dream, isn't it? It's, it's to get to <laughs> ideal where where, uh, where the Netherlands has. Yeah, um, 
you know, look, I think some of those, you know, schemes kind of have existed for a long time, right? They took kind of 10, 15 years. They had a consumer brand. It's hard to tell which ingredients are essential to get there. You know, I think we can comfortably predict that we're going to get to 30, 40, you know, 50%. I think that's going to take uh, a little bit of time, but it, it does, you know, look like that's the, you know, the end state in most of the, let's say, you know, PSD2 initiated um, countries, you know, where it's, this has become normal. But look, we're seeing it even in, in the UK, right, where, of course, open banking is a small part of the total. In individual merchants who have rolled out open banking, for example, particularly in the financial services space where um, it's for maybe wallet loads or money into your investment or savings account, they're getting 70% of consumers choosing that option, right. mostly because if they pay this way, they get credited on their account instantly. So yeah. you've got that immediate consumer value you know, that they'll just gravitate towards. Right? So I think it'll depend on the merchant case you know, or merchant's kind of use case and, and industry. But you know, it, it's looking more and more likely that that's going to be true. You all buying into this? So will it happen? Uh, and let's say I truly believe here in more in, in partnership and evolution because I do not see open banking as in, let's say, as only a separate uh, silo because if we find the right solution and reuse strong brands like Ideal or Blick and uh, present it with the consumer as normal Ideal payments, but in effect, these are truly open banking payments, I think then we really can lift off. And then even broader, it would be better if we do this united from a European perspective, but that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just one comment on this. I think what to get to that desired level endorsement, I guess, by, by some major brands and organizations is key. Yeah, and I mean to your point, I mean if Ideal endorses a certain, uh, you know, certain use cases and then takes them out to market, then it's a whole new ball game for open banking because that, yeah, it's it's no longer just open banking; it's attached to a very recognizable brand, and that's that's the way to get to that magic number. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, next year we'll probably talk about this again and uh, see if we have made a step <laughs> in the right direction <laughs> to a common European uh, open banking brand. It's not yet uh, the case, but I think it's a lot of promise. Uh, thank you very much, uh, dear panel, for, for informative insights. Thanks for tuning in to the official MPE podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the show and check other video interviews with other industry leaders on our YouTube channel. For more content, follow Merchant Payments Ecosystem on LinkedIn and Twitter. Don't miss out on our Positivity magazine and remember to subscribe to the MPE newsletter at www.merchantpaymentsecosystem.com.